0: Good evening, and welcome once again to another episode of the Friday Night Parkdale Special. I'm your host, Joyrider, coming to you live from the Dollhouse in downtown Toronto with my feline co hosts, Chatty G, Silent Shay, and Floofmaster Toby. And this is episode 150. After three weeks of talking about the impact of one of the most sampled drum loops in history, it seemed only appropriate to follow it up with a discussion of the legal blowback stemming from the use of samples. I had thought that the first copyright infringement case had been brought against Vanilla Ice, but when I went digging, I learned that that was not the case. The first claim to go before the court was Grand Upright v. Warner Brothers for Bismarcky's track "Alone Again," naturally, which sampled heavily from Gilbert O'Sullivan's "Alone Again." The argument from the defense was that it constituted fair use under the parody standard, but the judge was not buying it. And in delivering his verdict, he went so far as to quote the Ten Commandments: "Thou shalt not steal." And this comprises the basis of one of the core arguments against sampling, that it's theft and therefore immoral. The other primary argument is that it's lazy, a shortcut that doesn't require any creativity or vision on the part of the sampler. Both of these are reductive and dismissive, and I'm going to use this entire episode to deconstruct and examine why I think that. So... Let's get it started with Bismarck's Alone Again, Naturally.
1: I was on my way to 125th. I saw this death bench, yo, that's my man Cliff. As I flagged him down, he pulled to the side. At this moment, I had to swallow my pride. Cause usually I wouldn't ask for my lift, but it was cold as hell, and my legs were stiff. He said, hey, biz, what you want a ride? I said, hell yeah. He said, I can't cause my girls inside. So he jetted off, leaving two tracks. Not at one time did homeboy look back. It took me an hour to get where I was going and the to time it all off. It had to start showing. My sequels was old and my coat was thin. But my determination kept me warm with this. I had nobody to help me, as you can see. I'm alone again. Naturally, alone again, naturally. So I went into the show and started maxing. People came up to me and started asking, what's up with me? And what I'm getting on, and how many records is Shantae going to perform? I don't know, but now I gotta go, cause Shantae is calling me to do the show. First she was on, and then she called me out, I did a lot of funky beats without no doubt. I put the mic on my head, and began to rip. The crowd began to flip, cause I was rocking a chip. When we was done, I started to laugh. Moms of people come to me for my autograph. After the front was over, it was time to break. If I was riding, it would be the icing on the cake. As I saw Shantae, get into a limo, I had to walk home. I wrote it in my memo. I'm alone again, Mad all alone again, naturally Now my eye nothing to worry, wherever I wanna go I get there in the hurry, that's right, I'm big time Very well known, now I'm saying rhymes instead of beats on the microphone Right about now, I'm gonna explain It was Coovy, this Swan and the Big Daddy came. Doing shows all together as one group None of us acting big-headed or soup Then after that all from the block I paid Everybody told them how they rock They all grabbed their props And went their separate ways Swan said, I'll see you later, bitch In a couple of days When people see me leave Like a mamma jammer It's like if I was full With stars, lights, and glamour But when Vaughn came home He thought I was into it With a girl I was in bed Alone again Naturally I'm alone again Naturally
0: Now that we've heard from the defendant, let's hear from the plaintiff from 1971. This is Gilbert O'Sullivan's Alone Again, Naturally.
2: when a little while from now, if I'm not feeling any less, a nearby tower and climbing to the top will throw myself off in an effort to make clear to whoever what it's like when you're shattered left standing in the lurch at a church where people were saying my God that stuff she stood him up no point in us remaining we may as well go on as I did on my that only yesterday I was cheerful, bright and gay looking forward to who wouldn't do the role I was about to play but as if to knock me down reality came around and without so much as a mere touch cut me into little pieces leaving me to doubt talk about God in his mercy with does exist, why did he desert me in my hour of need? I truly am indeed alone again, naturally. It seems to me that there are more hearts broken. In
0: to say that using a sample without any credit is unfair to the originator. Sampling on the whole shouldn't be seen as theft, and bringing morality, especially biblical morality, into it is absurd, particularly in a country that was never supposed to be a theocracy, that was actually founded on the principle of freedom of religion, which should include freedom from religion. Sampling can be done in a way that respects content originators but still allows some measure of creative freedom. Obviously the first criterion needs to be giving clear and obvious credit to all artists sampled. And if I were in charge, I would base financial remuneration to an originator from the sampler on a formula that would take into account things like the percentage of the original piece that sampled and the percentage of the new creation that the sample can be heard in. It doesn't work like that, to my knowledge. Artists are able and allowed to demand whatever they deem fit, whatever the market will bear, for the use of the elements of their work. This leads to situations like the following with Lou Reed and uh, Tribe Called Quest. On Tribe Called Quest's debut release, people's instinctive travels in the paths of rhythm, the track Can I Kick It? sampled Lou Reed's Walk on the Wild Side. Through negotiations, Lou Reed ended up getting all of the profits from that track. To this day, Tribe still hasn't seen a dime from it. Let's pause here and listen to the track from the defendant in this case. From 1990, this is A Tribe Called Quest's Can I Kick It? Thank mm-hmm.
4: if you diss us, we won't even think of We'll nip of the dog and give a big shove This rhythm really fits like a snug glove Like a box of positives, it's a plus love As the trial flies high like a dove
3: Give me hey.
0: from the plaintiff from 1972's Transformer. This is Lou Reed's song, Walk on the Wild Side.
5: Jackie is just speeding away. Thought she was Jim Dean for a day. Then I guess she had to crash. Valium would have helped that patch. said, Hey, babe, take a walk on the wild side. I said, Hey, honey.
0: wasn't enough. In 2013, Sony threatened an indie label with a suit for using samples that Tribe had used on travels. It's not even that Sony was pissed at this indie label for using samples of Tribe Called Quest. It's that Sony was pissed that they were sampling the original material, which is ludicrous. De La Soul is another group that was heavily impacted by copyright issues their debut album Three Feet High and Rising relied heavily on samples as well. Even the title is a reference to a Johnny Cash song that's sampled in the track, The Magic Number. They thought that they had cleared all the samples that they used on that first album, having learned from observing their peers, could happen if they didn't clear them, but somehow one sample slipped through the cracks from a song by the Turtles called You Showed Me, which appeared in a brief interlude on the album called Transmitting Live From Mars. It wasn't even a full-length track. However, the Turtles were not feeling especially forgiving of this oversight, and De La Soul ended up paying a great deal for the use of the sample. The next album that they released was called Stakes is High, a reference to their legal struggles from the previous album. Once again, we'll take a pause here to listen to the track by The Defendants from 1989's Three Feet and Rising. This is De La Soul's transmitting live from Mars.
6: Écoutez. À midi.
0: Quelle heure est-il? Il est midi. C'est l'heure de déjeuner.
6: Qu'est-ce qu'il y a à manger? Des saucisses. Sans doute. Écoutez et répétez. À midi. À midi. À midi. Quelle heure est-il? Quelle heure? Quelle heure est-il il quelle heure est-il Il est midi. 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 Il est midi. Il est midi. C'est l'heure de déjeuner. C'est l'heure. C'est l'heure de déjeuner
0: next from the plaintiff this is the turtles 1968 release you showed me
7: You showed me how to do exactly what you do, how I fell in love with you.
0: cover You Showed Me the following year, 1990, and it would be released as a B-side to their single Let's Talk About Sex. And as far as I know, they never had any trouble regarding the rights to it. Going back to De La Soul, though, the frustration around the battle for samples was so great that Jay Dilla of the crew actually left hip-hop for a while, only coming back almost a decade later. His second solo album, Donuts, was released on his 32nd birthday in 2006, three days before he would pass away of a rare blood disorder related to lupus. Donuts was also a really sample-heavy album, but it seems that in this instance, he was careful to clear all of them. The tracks that I'm going to share with you now, although they didn't have a lawsuit attached to them, are an example of that care from 2006's Donuts. This is Jay Dilla's track, Geek Down. elements of that song sounded familiar, it may be because the song that Jay Dillis sampled has been used in over 500 other tracks, according to whosampled.com. From 1981, this is ESG's song UFO. The desire to cash in gave rise to a whole industry of copyright trolls, essentially companies that would scoop up copyrights like a whale does krill, scraping content for instances of infringement that they can then prosecute and make money off. With companies like this, it's much less to do with artistic integrity and more about seeing an opportunity to draw blood from the success of hip-hop artists. The second argument that comes up when people get dismissive of sampling, particularly in hip hop, is that it is lazy. And that's even easier to discount without caveat. Art, not just music, but all art, has long built off of what's come before it. It constitutes the creation of a shared cultural lexicon in a documentary aired by PBS's Independent Lens. Benjamin Franzen's documentary Copyright Criminals includes a clip of an interview with Shock G of Digital Underground in which Shock G draws a comparison between photography and painting, which I think is really quite astute. When photography came to the fore in the 1800s, it would have been quite easy for people to dismiss it as a cheap shortcut to painting. To quote Shakshi, but what the photographer is to the painter is what the modern producer and DJ and computer musician is to the instrumentalist. And really, any new technology tends to garner a similar kind of pushback. I've been guilty of it myself, criticizing DJs who relied on mixers that offered auto-sync for their beat matching, rather than being able to do so by ear. Painters use stylistic touches and symbols that are also used by those within their sphere, and this creates entire schools of style around a common aesthetic language, building, again, on what's come before. And it isn't seen as theft unless... Cultural appropriation comes into play, as it has recently with indigenous woodlands artists. Certain symbols are very specific to groups, subgroups, cultures, and to bring them from one school of painting to another becomes appropriative. Writers have also leaned into these shared languages and symbologies, not just in the Jungian sense, but in terms of references. I imagine that examples of this exist all the way back to the dawn of writing. I am not familiar with Greek texts, but I would assume that that kind of dialogue between authors would be visible in those pieces. What I am familiar with are 1800s writers, and certainly in those you can see that back and forth, especially in letters to the editor. Writers will also develop their own internal system of references. The one that immediately comes to mind for me is Stephen King, whose cross-references are so numerous and so extensive that a graduate student named Robin Firth actually worked with King as a research assistant, mining all the references across his oeuvre that she could find, which connected to his Dark Tower series, some of which he himself had forgotten over the course of the years. And all of this resulted in The Dark Tower Concordance, and made his subsequent books in that series even richer. And this brings us to music. That building up and layering of influences and references, though it didn't always look the same, it's always existed. In a lecture produced by Point Blank Music School for Wesample.com, The instructor made note of a piece by Beethoven written in 1820, which copied a melody from the year prior used in a piece by Diabelli called Waltz in C. Major. Myself, I have long felt that if you traced music back far enough, it would come down to a couple of people banging rocks together, and you can't copyright that. Scratch DJ Kubert, in that same PBS presented documentary, questioned whether if he took a single note and chopped it, its use would still be considered copyright infringement. And even without chopping, can a person lay claim to a single note? Ultimately, the point is that all of these create a shared cultural understanding. All of these examples of inspiration taken from predecessors lead to an inescapable question. How much of the complaint about sampling is based in racism? The powers that be did not give a shit when Black artists like Big Mama Thornton, Chuck Berry, the Chiffons, and Papa Charlie Jackson were being ripped off. The moment that black artists started making money off of things white people had a stake in, the pendulum swung back hard. Artists whose careers had been rooted in the cultural theft of black sounds often swung back the hardest, like the Rolling Stones, who stole from Muddy Waters and then sued the Verve for using an orchestral version of a song of theirs that the Verve had actually paid to use. I've been talking a lot, so I'm going to pause here and play the song from our defendant, in this case, the Verve, and the song is Bittersweet Symphony. take a listen to the 1965 orchestral version arranged by David Whitaker and Andrew Oldham. This is the Andrew Oldham Orchestra and their version of The Last Time by the Rolling Stones. Part of the reason why this gets so messy is because Andrew Oldham was actually the manager for the Rolling Stones. There's more to it, and there ended up being two suits levied against the Verve. But for now, let's take a listen to the Rolling Stones song, The Last Time. Then we come to the Beatles, who stole from at least a half a dozen different Motown artists and then had the nerve to sue Sesame Street for their parody of Let It Be, which was called Letter B. The cost. Of clearing the rights for copyright and samples became so onerous that by the late 80s early 90s it was cheaper to cover a song than it was to pay for the sample of three seconds of that song. Hip-hop albums went from using dozens of samples to a handful because the cost was so restrictive. While that cost to sample had stifled creativity to some degree, creativity then found its application in the development of workarounds to this issue. To quote author Amanda Sewell, many producers, most notably Dr. Dre, will hire studio musicians to replay selected passages of music. After recording the studio musicians' performance, they sample their own recording of that replayed material. By using studio musicians, producers only have to pay publishing fees for the music. In comparison, musicians who sample an existing recording have to pay both publishing fees and mechanical, or recording, fees. The mechanical fees are the ones that are usually much more expensive. Sampling their own recordings of studio musicians allows producers to sample a version of a particular track for less than half of the cost of sampling the original recording. These producers are still sampling in a sense, although they are sampling their own recording rather than the original recording. This is something that Portishead did as well in the mid-90s, recording a cover of a sample that they wanted to use and then having that replayed sample pressed to vinyl so that they could use it and scratch with it and really have that sampled feel without getting into the financial crosshairs that sampling from the original created. Again, let's take a moment to pause here and listen to an example of that from Portishead's album, Dummy. This track is called Biscuit. Let's listen to the song that they were working with in the song Biscuit from 1959. This is Johnny Ray's I'll Never Fall in Love Again. something that's posited as being creatively lazy, the amount of work involved in coming up with workarounds like that and the creativity involved in thinking up those workarounds certainly doesn't sound like laziness to me. The irony of all this is that in the beginning, sampling was something that had made music production more accessible and more democratic to quote Shockley of Public Enemy. The reason why we sampled in the beginning was that we couldn't afford to have a guitar player come in and play on our record. We couldn't afford to have that horn section or the string sections. We were like scavengers going through the garbage bin and finding whatever we could from our old dusty records. Another DJ in Franzen's documentary Copyright Criminals noted that with sampling, it meant that he could have anyone he wanted in his band. To quote, I have all these artists and they're in my band. I'm sampling Wes Montgomery to play guitar. He's in my band. And I've got Ark Blakely. He's my drummer. I've got all these legendary musicians that are in my band. If you think that I'm being flip or dismissive by saying that racism played a big role in the blowback to sampling, then I want you to consider the fact that the Beastie Boys album, Paul's Boutique, their second album, which came out in 1989, used samples from an estimated 115 samples on the low end or 300 on the high end. Even on the low end estimate, that's a lot of samples. It wouldn't be financially feasible to pull off something like that under current law. Yet nobody raised a stink about copyright issues with that album until 2012. It's interesting that the Beastie Boys didn't get nailed in the same way as black artists who were their contemporaries did. The Beasties were undoubtedly the most high profile and successful white rap group of the eighties and yet the tracks that got them in trouble had been in rotation on the radio for a quarter century before anyone said boo. If that's not racism, then please, Tell me what that's rooted in. I'm going to pause again here and play a track from the album under discussion, Paul's Boutique. From the Beastie Boys, this is The Sounds of Science.
8: The town like when you're driving a Range Nova, Rover. Expanding the horizon. Expanding the parameters. Expanding the rhymes of soccer MC amateurs. A noggle, Isaac New, a scientific EZ. I've been Franklin with a kite. I get Nova with the key. Now rock shocking the mic of the many times. Times the times, table. i well to tell the spell all of the old fable. Cause I've been dropping That you can't get Yeah.
0: For the record, the Beasties sampled no fewer than eight songs on that one track, half of which were from the Beatles. You can see how that would have gotten them into trouble. Music writer Eric Nielsen tried to argue that the end of the free-for-all on sampling meant the end of politically-driven hip-hop, but after reading the counter-arguments of another music writer named Brandon Soderbergh, I don't think that's the case. It's meant that there is more, or at least different sort of effort required in the referencing of that cultural lexicon, that one has to be pickier or richer like Kanye and Jay-Z's use of a number of big-ticket samples on their collaboration called Watch the Throne, but the politicality of hip-hop hasn't gone away entirely. Sure, maybe it's not the predominant theme, but even in the 80s, political rap was only a portion of what was going on. There was still a lot of posturing and a lot of party tunes going on and that it shifted more in that direction can be attributed to a mix of factors not the least of which are the rise of the west coast sound and the realization of the amount of money to be made in hip-hop political hip-hop still exists and it still relies on samples Lil Wayne, as problematic as he is, put out an incredible mixtape called Dedication 2 with DJ Drama in 2006. The most important track on it talks about George Bush's failure to handle the crisis of Hurricane Katrina in an adequate way. It's called Georgia Bush. And to quote from Brandon Soderbergh again, it grabs its beat from ludicrous. And Field Mob's Song of Community Celebration, Georgia, which itself samples from Ray Charles's Georgia on My Mind. And Lil Wayne wraps around the Ray Charles sample, taking Charles's Georgia shout as a clever way to take President Bush to task for his failures. With that in mind, let's take a moment to listen to the first half of Lil Wayne's Georgia Bush.
4: This song right here is dedicated to the President of the United States of America. Yeah, y'all might know him as George Bush, but where I'm from, Lost city of New Orleans, we call him this. (laughs) George. That's right. George. Bush. (laughs) George. You know who you are. (laughs) (laughs) George. Let's go. George. Bush. Georgia. Bush.
9: George.
4: Ever we call you, ya. George. No nah, freaking. Dedicated to the one with the suit. Thick white skin and his eyes bright blue. So can't beef with you know who. Fuckin he just let them kill him all our truths. Look at all the bullshit we've been through. Had a nigga sitting on top tap their boots. Hurricane Katrina, we should've called it hurricane. Georgia Bush. Then they telling y'all lies on the news. The white people smiling like everything cool. But I know people that died in that pool. I know people that died in those schools. Now, what is the survivor to do? Got no trailer, you gotta move. Lies on to Texas, enter. They tell you what they want, show you what they want you to see, but they don't let you know what's really going on. Make it look like a lot of stealing going on. Boy, them cops is killers in my home. Niggas shot dead in the middle of the street. I ain't no thief, I'm just trying to eat. Man, fuck the police and President Georgia. Bush. So what happened to the levies? Why wasn't they steady? Why wasn't they able to control this? I know some folk that live by the levies, that keep on telling me they heard explosions. Same shit happened back in Hurricane Bates in 1965. I ain't too going to know this. That was President Johnson, but not his. Georgia. Bush. We from a town where everybody drowned in, everybody died, but baby, I'm still praying with you. Everybody cried, but ain't nobody tried, there's no doubt on my mind, it was your job. Bush, we from a town where everybody drowned in, everybody died, but baby, I'm still praying with you. Everybody crying, but ain't nobody trying, there's no doubt on my mind, it was your Bush. I was born in a boat at the bottom of the map. New Orleans, baby, not a White House. Satan trying to wash us away like we not on a map. Ugh. Wait, have you heard the latest? They saying that you got to have paper if you're trying to come back. Niggas thinking it's a rap. scene, we can't hustle, and they trap. We ain't from. Mm-hmm. nice nah, it's them dead bodies, them lost houses. The mayor said, don't worry about it. And the children have been scorned. No one's here to care about them. And that shout to all the rappers that helped out. Yeah, we like that they call all over president. Green Bush. Confederate flag, you know what it is. A white a motherfucker that probably voted for him. And no, he ain't gonna drop no dollars, but he do drop bombs. R.I.P. Tiggas, he died in stone. Fuck President Bush. See us in your city, man, give us a pound. Cause if a nigga still moving, then he holding it down. I had two jacks, but lost both them cheers. I'm from N.O. Da N.O. We from a town where everybody drowned in. Everybody died, but baby, I'm still praying with you. Everybody cried, but ain't nobody tried. There's no died on my mind, it was Georgia. Bush. We from a town where everybody drowned in. Everybody died, but baby, I'm still praying with you. Everybody crying, but ain't nobody trying. There's no Died on my mind, it was Georgia. Bush. Bush.
0: Bush. Bush. Next, let's listen to Field Mob's track, Georgia, featuring Ludacris and Jamie Foxx.
3: Georgia. 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 We on the grind, Georgia. Georgia. All the time, it ain't nothing on my mind, but Georgia. Georgia
1: All the time it ain't nothing on my mind Georgia Country name, country slang Fiends at the liquor store Black cruising, crap shooting 50 on the 10 of 4 Overcast the forecast shows
10: Clouds from plenty drove And we ready for war in the state of Georgia Yeah, dirty world dirty birds it's mean in this dirty south you ever disrespect it and we'll clean out your dirty mouth bulldogs clocking these lookout boys is hawking you gotta be brave in the state of i got five georgia homes where i rest my georgia bones come anywhere on my land and i'll aim at your georgia dome if you get in an altercation just hop on your mobile phone and tell somebody you need help in the middle of georgia Yell thrasher, scope your pumpkin and smash her. We'll come
3: through your hood worse than the tsunami disaster. Don't know who they gonna get or who them robbers gonna hit. That's why I keep my Georgia Tech in the state of Georgia. We on the grind, Georgia. Hard of time, it ain't nothing on my. Mind.
10: sweet, yeah. the children of the corn, yeah. dirtier than Bob Marley's PP yeah. GA, the Peach State where well, we stay. My small city's called Albany. Yeah. <laughs> pecan country, like catfish with grits, candy yams and chickens. Grams homemade bake. Yeah. This gets the land of classic yeah. caprices and Impala yeah. Super Sports. Ingredients yeah. in this peach cobbler called Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> I love. Out in L.A. And the shopping stores in New York The beaches are M.I.A. But they ain't nothing like that G.A. Red clay Look on your mouth We're right above Florida Next to Bama Under the Carolinas in Tennessee You'll see We're glad this to took a midnight train The birthplace of Martin Luther King We're ass so plump and hips are thick We're lap trucks sitting on 26's Know where you are going or you'll be lost Found in these plum trees in the south These choppers the are the off your top down here in Nothing else. on the map, with a wet paint yeah. took jet on, paredes in the chrome, on the Chevy when I'm chopping in the trap, country's yeah. here, they some warriors, topes on this brace, same shaking as Florida, looking for me, boy, you find me, down the door, the kindest small city called out in the Georgia, where they used to call us a mama, so now they the to watch your mouth, flesh you out for some manner, bunch of hustlers, one on every corner, like the wife of in Atlanta, R.I.P. camouflage out in
11: Savannah, now, you might come for vacation, leave on probation. Home in a strip
12: club known for the thick girls With the tricks, put tips in the tip cup. With a thick chick in a thong with a big butt. Wanna
10: get love, won't be cheap, Don't wanna long? Money like Peachtree. Make a chick take it off like freak meat down here. When you see them Confederate flags, you know what it is. Your folks pick cotton here, that's why we call it the field. I got a Chevrolet
3: on 26s. I'm from GA. GA. Georgia, 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 Georgia. Uh, Georgia,
0: Georgia. Now let's trace it back one step further to the original by Ray Charles. This is Georgia On My Mind.
9: Georgia. Georgia. The whole day. Just an old sweet song keeps Georgia on my mind. Georgia on my mind. I said, a Georgia, Georgia, a song of you.
6: And
9: clear is moonlight through the pines. Other arms reach out to me. Other eyes smile tenderly. Still in the peaceful dreams, I see the road leads back to you. I said, Georgia, oh Georgia, no peace I find, just an old sweet song. Georgia on my mind. Georgia on my mind. other oh. arms reach out to me. other eyes smile tenderly. Still Dreams, I see the road leads back to you, whoa, whoa, whoa. Georgia. Georgia, no peace, no peace. I find just an old sweet song. Georgia on my mind Georgia on I said just an old sweet song
0: should be noted that just because there are laws discouraging people from making money off of samples without paying royalties or any kind of licensing fees, that hasn't discouraged people from using samples entirely either. In instances where the musician can't afford the rights for the sample as a paid release, the track will often end up being given away for free. Again from Amanda Sewell's essay entitled How Copyright Affected the Musical Style and Critical Reception of Sample-Based Hip-Hop. Quote, producer Mr. Len told me about his attempts to license a sample for Taco Day, a track with lyrics by rapper Jean Grey. Taco Day is the tale of the revenge a sexually abused teenage girl takes on those who harmed her, and it was supposed to be the centerpiece on Mr. Len's 2001 album Pity the Fool. He found the perfect material to sample for that track, an excerpt from Philip Glass's soundtrack to the 1985 film Mishima, A Life in Four Chapters. According to Mr. Len, his label matador could not afford to pay the amount that Glass's label wanted for the sample, and thus Mr. Len was forced to leave out the samples. Instead, he and Jean Grey recorded a different version of Taco Day for Pity the Fool, but it is a completely different track than he had originally envisioned. He told me that he plans to release a free version online that includes the Philip Glass sample, but for now he has discarded it. This time we're going to do it in the opposite order. First, we're going to listen to the Kronos Quartet's performance of Philip Glass's Mishima, and the track is called Blood Oath. Now let's listen to the version of Mr. Len's Taco Day featuring Jean Grey that was released, keeping in mind what it might have sounded like had it used the Philip Glass samples.
13: Yeah. anyone about it, but I've got a plan, and I don't care what things are wrong. If you were me, what would you do? Play it along till now, but tell me, would you?
14: Hello, this
13: is Fred Andrews, and you're watching
14: Middle America's School Forum. I'm here with uh, Timmy Andrews, a sophomore
3: uh, who attends Melon Bayside High. Hello, Timmy. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? Oh, very good. Uh, welcome to the show. Nice uh, to be here. Timmy. Tell us anything about uh, Miss Scott. Uh, you know, we're, we're trying to get to the bottom of why she would do such a thing. What can you tell me about? Her? Have you seen her in school? I mean, actually, she seemed like a very popular girl, and I never would have expected any of this to happen. I mean. She actually seemed very happy with what was going on in school. I mean, she uh, did a lot of tutoring and things like that in nature and everything. So this was something you actually never would expect. It. I mean, it just it's just very shocking to, to see such things happen at this moment. Uh, yeah, we're also here with uh, Calvin Jackson, here, Mr. Calvin. Jackson. Uh, can you give us any uh hey, any insight on, on what's going Cal- on? Well, Fred, this is some bullshit. Frankly, I think that uh, America needs to stop raising our children, and you should be allowed to beat your kids. Then shit like this would not happen.
13: This morning I got up, walked to the bathroom, grabbed the scissors, and stared in the mirror and started cutting till there was almost nothing left. Hair falling in chunks and picked up a blunt razor and passed it once. Starting at the back of my neck, I move it slowly forward to the front. A reverse bizarre taxi driver with blood dripping in my eyes. I looked and laughed loud. Mommy heard and walked by the door and passed out. I grabbed the bitch by her feet, closed the door and tied her to the bed. Stripped her, gagged her mouth and jumped to the top. Pulled the razor back and ripped her fucking throat open. Watched her choke and soaked in blood, I headed downstairs to the kitchen, grabbed Rose by the hair and her with Daddy standing there. He tried to tackle me, so I jabbed him in the abdomen. Then I jumped, flipped, turned, and stabbed him in the back again. And when he fell to the floor, I stopped, heard a loud bang and a cough. I walked in the living room and Grandpa stood, gripping a sawed-off. So I thought quick and dropped to my knees and started crying and screaming, why and I'm sorry and what have I done and all sorts of emotional lying. He dropped the gun and ran to me, shaking and screaming. I tried to free myself and go for the gun, but his grip just wouldn't let me. Grandpa, call the police. I think Rose is still breathing, Please. please. He let go, ran to the kitchen. I ran to get a hold of the piece. I picked it up, cocked it back, and blew off both of his knees. Left him laying in the hall bleeding to death, and I smashed the car. Oh, God. Okay. What have I done? All right. I didn't do anything wrong. They deserved it. They got what was coming to them. It's not me. I'm not crazy. I'm not hearing voices. No, no, no. It's... It's what was supposed to happen. Now, I'm just gonna go to school and... uh, and, You know what? No, never mind. Because everything I'm doing is right and they're supposed to die. And and it's them. They did it to me first. And it's because I'm a good person. I am because I'm good enough and I'm smart enough and people like me. No, they don't. Yes, they do. No, they don't. Yes, they... Okay. All right gonna get to school and I'll work everything out. Pulled up in the school parking lot. Just me, destiny and a shotgun riding. Perfect timing. Assembly in the cafeteria for joy of creative writing. I walked up to the front doors and blew them open. Started aiming and blasting. Stood frozen in the main hall after the smoke rising. The sounds of screaming and gasping. They were everywhere. I ran into the west wing stairs. Laughing and through the gym. Stopped to reload. Pulled out a grandpa's favorite flask and took a hit of gin. Then raised the gun up and blasted. Once yelling, it's time to pay. I heard footsteps. Poured the liquor out and turned to blow the person away the corpse. Walk continued on my course, and heard the cries of helpless little victims. Let me tell you, they all deserve to die. Walked to the middle of the room and hopped the table. Started letting off wherever, setting off the fire alarms, and I turned my firearms around and held my finger tight and pulled the trigger. Wetting the room, watching bodies drop to the floor and quiver. Held my finger tight and pulled the trigger. Bloodbath, There was red everywhere. On the walls, on my hand, on the doors, on the lunch trays, on the posters, on the ceiling fans. I raised the gun up and shot out the glare of the fluorescent lights. Stopped Listen to fights in the dark and mayhem. It all serves him right. Continued shooting till the last shell drop. Then I hopped off the table and stood in the middle of the room. Leaned back and admired System the view. The it was like a sunset in the
1: moon. Okay, what the kind
15: of thing we're gonna both say? One,
14: two, three, here we go!
0: Interestingly, in some cases, the use of a sample has helped to increase the sales of the original. A great example of this is Coolio's track Gangster's Paradise, which sampled Stevie Wonder's Pastime Paradise, which was featured on his 1976 album Songs in the Key of Life. Stevie Wonder's track saw one million in sales, but Coolio's saw seven million in sales although we've listened to coolio's gangster's paradise before on this show it was in a different context so we're going to listen to it again but here too i'd like to do it in reverse and play the original track first from stevie wonder this is pastime paradise
15: Spending most their lives living in a time paradise And spending most their lives living in past time paradise And wasting most their time glorifying days long gone behind And wasting most their days in remembrance of ignorance So disgrace praise tell me who I am Isolation, segregation, dispensation, isolation, exploitation, mutilation, mutation, miscreation, information. to the evils of the world, inspiration. Sorrows lost from time. They keep telling of the day when the savior of love will come to stay. Tell me, who of them will come to be? How many of them are you and me? Proclamation, a consolation. Integration, verification, revelation, acclamation, world salvation, vibration, simulation, confirmation, to peace of the world. They've been spending most their lives living in the past time, past time. They've been spending most of their lives living in a future paradise. They've been spending most their lives living in a future paradise. We've been spending too much of our lives.
0: And now let's hear what Coolio did with it in his track Gangster's Paradise.
14: situation they got me facing i can't live a normal life i was raised by the shit so i gotta be down with the hood team too much television watching got me chasing dreams i'm an educated fool with money on my mind got my tin in my hand and the green in my heart i'm a low out gangster
0: Where does the line between creativity and appropriation lie? When is it experimentation and when is it exploitation? Danger Mouse took Jay-Z's Black Album and The Beatles' White Album and chopped the two together in what he dubbed the Grey Album. It's not as simple compositionally as just playing a track from each album simultaneously. He went into it and developed a collage with pieces from each that not only fit together, but complement one another. And in some instances, he's used a very tongue-in-cheek, ironic sensibility in the way that he's chosen to combine tracks and elements of the tracks. Let's pause here and take a listen to what Danger Mouse did in the Grey album. First up, we're going to hear the Beatles' Helter Skelter. (coughs)
11: To the bottom,
8: I go back to the top of the slide Where I stop and I turn and I go for a ride,
11: Till I get to the bottom and I see you again Yeah,
6: yeah, yeah
11: But do you, don't you want me to love you? slide and they stop and they turn and they go for a ride and I get to the bottom and
6: I see you again
11: yeah yeah but do you don't you want me
0: Now let's listen to Danger Mouse's version of Jay-Z's 99 Problems.
10: If you having girl problems, I feel bad for you, son. I, I got, got 99, 99 problems, problems, but a bitch ain't one. I, I got, got the go. rap Patrol on the Cat Patrol. They want to make sure my cast is closed Rap critics to say these money cash holes. I'm from the hood stupid, what type of facts are those? If you grew up with hoes in your zap toes you celebrate the minute you was having dough I'm like, fuck critics, you can kiss my whole asshole If you don't like my lyrics, you can press fast forward I beef with radio if I don't play they show They don't play my hits, well I don't give a shit So... Rap mags try and use my black ass So advertise can give them more cash for ads Fuckers I don't know what you take me as So understand the
6: intelligence that Jay-Z has I'm from rags the richest niggas I ain't dumb I got 99
10: pounds but a bitch ain't one Hit me! 99 pounds, but a bitch ain't one. If you have a girl pound, i for bad for you, son. I got 99 pounds, but a bitch ain't one. Hit me. Years yeah. 94, and my trunk is raw In my rearview mirror is the motherfucking law. Got two choices, y'all. Pull over the car bounce on the devil. Put the pedal to the floor. Now I ain't tryna see no highway chase with Jake. Plus I got a few dollars I could fight the case. So I pull over to the side of the road. I heard, son, do you know why I'm stopping you for 'Cause I'm young and I'm black and my hat's Real low. Do I look like a mind reader, sir? I don't know. Am I under arrest, or should I guess some more? Well, you were doing 55 in the 54. Uh-huh. of registration, it's the body of the car. You What well, do you mind if I look around the car a little bit? Well, my glove can pop locked so it's the trunk in the back Then I know my rights, so you gon' need a warrant for that R not you sure was attacked? You some type of law or something? Somebody important or something? I ain't passed the bar, but I know a little bit Enough that you wanna legally search my shit we'll, we'll see how smart you are when you canine. I got 99 pounds, but a bitch ain't one Hit me! 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. If you having girl problems, I'm back for you, son. I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. Hit me. 99 problems but a bitch ain't one If you having girl problems, I feel bad for you, son I got 99 problems but a bitch ain't one Hit me once upon a time not too long ago A nigga like myself had a strong arm, a hoe this is not a hoe in the sense of having a pussy But a pussy having a goddamn sense Try and push me I try to ignore him, talk to the Lord Pray for him, but some fools just love to perform You know the type, loud as a motorbike but wouldn't bust a grape in a fruit fight And only thing that's gonna happen is i am a. Get the clapping and he and his boys gonna be yapping to the captain. And there I go trapped in the Kit Kat again. Back through the system with the raff again. Beans on the floor, scratching again. Paparazzis with their cameras, snapping them. DA try to give a nigga shaft again. Half a mil for bail because I'm African. or oh, because this fool was harassing them. Trying to play the boy like he's saccharine. But ain't none sweeper. I hold my gun. I got 99 pounds being a bitch, I ain't one. Hit me. Ninety nine problems, but a bitch ain't one. If you having girl problems, I feel bad for you, son. I got ninety nine problems, but a bitch ain't one. Hit me. Ninety nine problems, but a bitch ain't one. If you having girl problems, I feel bad for you, son. I got ninety nine problems, but a bitch ain't one. Hit me. 10 pounds of death, Candy not bouncing. Bitch ain't one. <laughs> you crazy for this one, Rick? It's your boy. <laughs>
0: creative experimentation are what propel music on the whole forward. Without pushing the boundaries of what technology can do and what we can do with technology, we risk becoming stagnant. And as much as the establishment will usually push back on these kinds of changes, it has typically been the case that once these advancements and changes become more established, we are all better for it. Not just as musicians, but also as consumers and in the way that we think and conceive of these additions to the shared cultural lexicon that they provide. Moreover, once it's out there, you can't put the genie back into the bottle, such is the case with AI. And this is something that actually came up on the New York Times podcast, The Daily, on Friday, April 28th. In recent weeks, an artist going by the name Ghostwriter released a track called Heart on My Sleeve, which was AI-generated using the voices of Drake and The Weeknd. The AI manages to accurately capture both the sound and the style of both artists, and given that they have collaborated in the past, fans were excited, and the AI collab generated a lot of buzz. It also caught the attention of the record label that Drake and The Weeknd are on, who got it pulled down from almost everywhere. Let's pause now and take a listen to the AI collaboration of Drake and The Weeknd called Heart On My Sleeve.
1: Hey, young man, turn
12: trust me, i trust I came out with my ex, like Selena, the flex, eh. Pumping just some beer, but her ain't left, eh. She know what she need, all I need, all she bless, eh. Giving me my best, eh, yeah. Say it with a knife in my back What's with that, ayy hey. 21, I love them' then my brother That's where stack, ayy hey. Metro you made the beat So you know that it's gon' slap, ayy hey.
7: Check my Celine
12: All the flat ain't just justin beer but a flavor ain't left ain't she know what she need all i need all she bless. ain't giving be my best ain't. Yeah, I got my heart on my sleeve with a knife from my back what's with that ain't 21 i love her, that my brother that's my slap. ain't that you made the be so you know that it's gonna slap ain't yeah, it's gonna slap
0: Pulled down doesn't put that genie back in the bottle though. And now, as Sabrina Tavernisi and Joe Coscarelli discussed on the daily on Friday, a lot of questions will need to be addressed going forward. Some artists have said that they're fine with AI using their voices, but that won't be the case with all artists. David Guetta had an AI do Eminem's voice on a techno track, which I find especially funny given the slam that M gave Moby and techno at large on his track Without Me. But what about white artists borrowing the voices of black musicians? Even if what the AI spits out isn't offensive in its wording, it's a new kind of digital blackface. How will all of this be handled in the courts? Presumably, artists will need to find a way to protect their voices from AI use if they choose to, and those who allow their voices to be used by AI will need to be compensated for that use. But none of that will happen overnight, And much in the same way as we saw with sampling in the late 80s and early 90s, I imagine we will see test cases happening in the next two years to address these concerns. But for now, that's our show for tonight. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's always a pleasure to have you share some of your week with me. If you'd like to support the show, go to thefnps.com. All the social media links are at the top of the page, including the coffee link and the show's Patreon link. Patrons get access to a bunch of extra goodies, but liking the show on whatever platform you listen from, leaving a review, sharing episodes with friends, following the show on social media, all of that helps. And there's been even more work in the last week on the website, so go take a look changes have happened and more are shortly to come. As always, be well and stay safe and we'll see you next week. Have a good one.